You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. There is so much happening in the vineyard nationally, internationally right now. Um, It was really one of those experiences that you just thought, man, we are part of something that's so much bigger than just this local fellowship that the, the arm of the Lord through this movement is, is really touching many, many lives. When, it, when I talk like that, I thank God for the church, period. Not just the vineyard, all the churches and, and all those that are, that are moving uh, into the kingdom and flowing. We've got a new right-hand guy next to uh, Phil Stroud, our national director, who is from Alabama, and his name is Bubba. <laughs> Bubba. And Bubba is anointed in the Holy Spirit like, oh my, he, he, he's amazing. And as, as he was getting to the end of the conference, he, he did a few things in ministry time and the presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit just you know, manifested in just wonderful ways. And uh, as they got to the last service, they just says, you know, I think the Lord's leading us to take an offering. I hadn't had an offering the whole conference. I thought, well, that's interesting. And somebody, and Bubba said, you know, I, I got that too. Because <laughs> Bubba had a, an interesting expression because when, when uh, Phil was asking him to come and be the national whatever he is, um, he says, I don't think that's Jesus. And he said, well, you know, he prayed again. He said, Bub, pray about, I don't think that's Jesus. And then finally he says, I think that's Jesus. So he came. So when he got the thing about the offering, he says, I think that's Jesus. And so they took an offering and it wasn't going to the vineyard. They took up an offering and it wasn't going to the vineyard. And so they took up an offering. They got the last night, they got $25,000 in the offering. Oh, my gosh. And they felt as though the Lord told them, send it to Bethel. So they sent, they wanted to send it to a a church planting movement that's flowing in the kingdom. They sent it to Bethel, which is really funny. One of the the young uh, ministers in our movement, he was up and he says that, that, that's like sending, uh, that's like Jesus uh, turning the water into wine <laughs> after everybody's drunk. You know, it's like, yeah, well, Bethel's doing really well. We sent them $25,000. So that's, that's going to be interesting to see what Bill has to say. I have to watch him this afternoon and see if he says anything about that. So, so that gets you a little caught up on the conference and uh, it will be on the vineyardusa.org. I think it's vineyardusa.org on the website. And you'll be able to watch the live video streams of the conference. And uh, you'll enjoy those. Okay. Well, last time I, I preached with you guys, uh, we finished uh, Acts 1 through 5. For your review, we'll go to verse 41 of chapter 5. Just to kind of remember, they're never going to stop. They're never going to stop. It says, the apostles 
left there rejoicing, thrilled that God had considered them worthy to suffer the disgrace for the name of Jesus. And nothing stopped them, exclamation point. They kept preaching every day in the temple courts and went from house to house preaching the gospel of Jesus, God's anointed one. What has just really thrilled my heart as I've been reading through Acts again and just meditating on it and enjoying it, it's the preaching of the gospel. It's the preaching of the kingdom. It's the preaching of Jesus. It's the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that made such an impact. It seems like uh, we, the church today, we try to market ourselves in all sorts of, you know, we're a good place to get help for this and to get help for that and to get... It's like, man, the power of preaching the resurrection of Jesus, preaching the gospel is, is where it's at. So we begin with verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 1. During those days, the number of Jesus' followers kept multiplying greatly. But a complaint was brought against those who spoke Aramaic by the Greek-speaking Jews who felt their widows were being overlooked during the daily distribution. So the, the Hebrew-speaking widows were getting preferential treatment. And so this, uh, the, the Greek-speaking, the Gentile-speaking uh, Jews were noticing that. The 12 apostles called a meeting of all the believers and told them, it's not, advent it's not advantageous for us to be pulled away from the word of God to wait on tables. We want you to carefully select from among yourselves seven godly men. Make sure they are honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving. That will enable us to give our full attention to prayer and the preaching the word of God. Everyone in the church loved, the, loved this idea. So they chose seven men. One of them was Stephen, who was known as a man full of faith and overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Along with him, they chose Philip and the others. <laughs> and we see all of those that they chose. All seven stood before the apostles who laid their hands on them and prayed for them, commissioning them to this ministry. Wow. Hallelujah. Then you get the summary verse in verse 7. God's word reigned supreme and kept spreading. The number of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem quickly grew and increased by the day. Even a greater number of Jewish priests became obedient believers, became believers and were obedient to the faith. Wow, so we see some incredible stuff happening there. We'll save verse 8 for just a little later. So we, we see what's happening. You know, they're, they're thrown in prison. They're thrown in jail. They come out. They give account. They're, they're strictly charged. Stop preaching the resurrection of Jesus. Stop making us the bad guys because we killed him. We don't want you to spread that. And, and so first time they were released was stern warning. Speak no more in the name of Jesus. 
So what do they do? They go right back out. They, they have a prayer meeting. The place is shaken. They say, Lord, give us boldness. Give us courage that we can proclaim your word with signs and wonders. And so they go right back out. They're out there doing the stuff again. Huh? This time, thrown in jail. Angel lets them out. Now that's an angelic jailbreak. I, I think I'm all up for that. Anybody need? That's, that's one of the things. When, when, Susie, when you gave your word this morning about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit was here, and it was good word, the Holy Spirit was saying, but my angels are here too. I've sent my angels here. And I, I was thinking of Acts, and I was just thinking, what do the angels do? They set captives free. They set the ones who are in jail and get them out of jail. Now, I think that's one of the things that, that the Lord wants to do this morning. Whatever kind of imprisonments that we're experiencing, whether it's in our thought life, whether it's in our actual life, whether it's in our emotions, whether it's in our circumstances, whatever it is, I believe that the Holy Spirit has been sent this morning to make us aware that there are angels here who are on assignment from the Father to set his people free. Hmm. So let's ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that we need to be free from? What's happening? What's going on? So this move of the church, this move of the kingdom is, is, is developing. It's got momentum. It's, it's happening. Even Ananias and Sapphira with, with their instant death and all of this that's taking place. And we, we see the believers that are just growing and they're fellowshipping and they're, they're committing to each other. And as a result, the strength and the maturity, the, the fastness with which they're understanding and uh, following Jesus is just remarkable. So much so that things are just happening. Signs and wonders are taking place. Every day more people are coming into the, to the kingdom. They're coming into the, the body of Christ. They're in Jerusalem. It's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And what happens when, when, you know, when the ministry of the word, when, when the proclamation of the gospel, when evangelism is taking place, soon, pretty soon you get to a size that it's kind of hard to manage. I believe the enemy tries to use even good things to get us distracted. Feeding widows, everybody think that's important? Yeah. Especially in their, in their culture because they had no other, they, they, they really didn't have another source of, of means of being cared for, most of them. And so as, as this was taking place, there became that, that problem that the Hebrew widows was getting preferential treatment over the Gentile who converted to Judaism widows. And, and so we, we see a dynamic that's taken place there. And the wisdom that, that the apostles are moving in, they realize that this is something that needs to take place. People were selling their houses, their lands. They were bringing it to the, to the community and everybody, nobody was in need. And so they were doing the food distribution and everything that was going on. But there came that point of contention. And they just said, we can't stop 
preaching the word of God. We can't stop praying. Choose among yourselves seven godly men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. So one of, the, one of the things that we do quite well here is, is our food ministry. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's really good. And to really acknowledge the importance of that kind of ministry of service, that ministry of service was so important to the early church that they took time and they chose people to oversee it who just didn't come to Jesus yesterday, okay? They were honorable. They were well-respected, another translation. They were full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Yes. One of the things that we have a, a, a tendency, and, and I think Pete Scazzaro's brought that into sharp focus, is that a lot of times, instead of getting closer to Jesus, we do things for Jesus. But notice who the apostles, the people chose and the apostles commissioned. They were men of great personal intimacy with Jesus. They had the foundation of their relationship with Jesus as number one. They weren't serving the needs of the people to get their needs met. They were serving the needs of the people because they knew the, the servant of all. They knew Jesus. And out of that sacrificial heart and that call and commission, they gladly gave themselves to the ministry of service to the local church, to the body of Christ. I thought that was interesting. You know, I, I grew up in a church, in the church I grew up, as soon as you came the first Sunday, we had a job for you on the second Sunday. You were teaching either... Uh, a, a, a Wednesday night kind of a Christian scout program for kids or you were teaching Sunday school or you were being an usher or you were doing something with the buses or you were, you know, you were serving in some way. And, and the thing that, that caught me even as a 14-year-old as a is, is when I started noticing how they were doing this, it was so that people had something that they had to be to church on the next week to make sure attendance didn't go down. Because everything was about counting the number of noses that gathered on Sunday morning. Now, it's, you, can, you, can, you can give people's assignments and stuff like that, but, but the key that we see, I think, here is that you want to give people a place of service after they have relationship with Jesus. Relationship with Jesus is the foundation of everything that we do. And as we have that ongoing relationship with Jesus, then there should be the honor of finding some place to serve in the local body. Hmm. I never want to put someone in a position that it's going to be counterproductive to their growth in Jesus as they serve the local church. Two of the seven are highlighted in the next two chapters. And we find 
that was Stephen. Let's look at uh, slide nine, Sue. Stephen is full of faith. He's overflowing in the Holy Spirit. He's full of grace. And he's full of supernatural power. So being a part of the food team didn't really slow him down any. It actually gave him a place for all those things to manifest. The glory of God flowing through him in supernatural power. As he moved in wisdom, as he was respected, as he was honorable, he was able to care and to move and to minister. But it's not, you know, when we get to chapter 7, we find that the power of, of God is moving so incredibly through this man that the religious leaders get all upset with him. And he's the first Christian martyr. And it's like, whoa, everything has taken place. The guy gets, he gets stoned. And even while he gets stoned, he's so full of the Holy Spirit. He, he preaches this incredible message of the gospel through the Old Testament that, that really brought into contrast how God's people always reject God. The people that God's pursued doesn't pursue him. And, and he's saying it in such a way as, as it's, hitting, it's hitting home with them. And they, they're so angry. We, we've seen already they want to murder the apostles. And now these, maybe one tier under the apostles. I don't, I, I don't think you can talk this way. But, uh, you know, these, we, we often call, refer to them as the deacons or, or whatever. These that are in charge of the, the, the ministry of service, they are so full that supernatural stuff is happening through them all the time as well. In chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. And there's demons being cast out, people being healed of sicknesses and diseases, all sorts of things, the gospel's being proclaimed, and all of Samaria in that town is coming to Jesus. Wow. Wow. So when I look at that, I, I, I'm kind of torn between a couple things. One, I'm just thinking, isn't it interesting that it was something about food that they had to, that they had to get some divine leadership for? I'm so thankful for Linda Robertson, who, who kind of gives headship over our food outreach ministry. One, because she's got a personal relationship with Jesus. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't have to worry about her trying to get her needs met through ministry. And so as, as her needs are met in her relationship with Jesus, then she's free then to raise up other leaders and let them serve in ways that help them grow as well. If you're in a ministry service dimension in the local church and it's not producing life in you and it's not releasing the gifts and the callings and the graces that God's given to you, Get out of it. Let's find someplace else. I don't want you someplace where this is not benefiting you. The church is here to serve you. You're not here to serve the church. We're here to love Jesus. And we want to see that each one is growing and, and being able to find that unique expression because our service is a form of our worship. And as we find that place and as we're releasing that, 
the Lord is glorified on the earth. We, we had a couple songs that were talking that, that were talking about he brought heaven to earth. Yeah, and that's what he taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's bringing heaven to earth. Hmm. So when I, when I look at this, I was just thinking, this morning I just want to give an exhortation. Thank you for all of those that have been serving. Kind of follows with two weeks ago on our Sunday night dinner type of thing where we were thanking all those who have volunteered and, and really have, have provided uh, their energy, their resources, their gifts, their talents, and their time. Thank you so much. Let's make sure that that's causing us to be razor sharp. And right now, if you're feeling a little dull, one, check your personal relationship with Jesus. Be working on being full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, full of grace, and full of supernatural power. Okay? As soon as you reach the highest point of supernatural power, come see me. No. <laughs> I want you to lay hands on me. <laughs> no, no that, that's something that we got to work into. That, that's something that happens as we go. And this is the thing that I, I think I'm, the Holy Spirit's been teaching me. A lot of times we're waiting until we, we've got this spiritual muscles and we've got this confidence and we've got this anointing and then we're going to go out and we're going to share the gospel. We're going to share and pray for people and, and encounter people. When, when what I find, especially from those that are way ahead of me, it never happens until you start doing it. Most of us, when, when we think of going out and doing the stuff, our level of anxiety. If you all had your Fitbits on, this is one of the things that my, my daughter-in-law works at Fitbit, so we all have Fitbits. And, and so as we were going through Disney, and as soon as we got off a roller coaster, as we're waiting in line to get on a ride, especially if it was a scary one, she said, okay, everybody check your heart rate. <laughs> yeah. So if you, all had, you know, if you all had your Fitbits on and, and you think of going out and engaging another human being, I wonder what our heart rate would go up to, you know. The key for us in the naturally supernatural value that we have in the vineyard, what we have in this local church, is that you really don't have to go out on special assignment. You just go out in life. And as, as you go out in life, you will have opportunities Ask the Lord to give you eyes to see the way he sees things. And as he gives you his eyes, then you'll start to notice and you'll start to see people. I'm doing this in Disneyland and I'm just practicing. I'm just saying, Lord, help me see people the way you see people. And over there, I mean, you know, that's an international environment. And I'm thinking, Lord, is she upset? Or is that just the way they talk? You know, and, and trying, to, trying to pick up things, subtleties, and just continue to be a student of loving people, of, of looking at people, noticing people, seeing people. I think that the number one thing that I've just been 
flabbergasted with is our inability to see people. We have been so conditioned by our culture that we don't see, especially if there's people in need, we don't see people in need. It's like, what's going on with that? It's like, as soon as you, as soon as you see something, all of a sudden you know to turn your head. And I thought, man, this, this feels like the, the Good Samaritan parable. You know, the story there. It's, it's like, oh, we'll come over on this side and walk, you know, and stuff like that. You know, that's one of the reasons why I've, I've given you exhortation after exhortation. Start of the week, go get you some single dollars, cash in a $10 bill and, and get 10 ones, and just practice when you see someone in need doing something about it. Don't let your religious filter come on you and say, oh, they're going to buy drugs with this. They're going to buy alcohol. They're going to smoke cigarettes. They're going to, you know, don't do that. What this is, this isn't for them. This is for you. It's for you to start developing a heart that sees a need, acknowledges a need, and is able to give in to that need. And probably one of the easiest ways to start is when you're at a stoplight and someone says, hungry, homeless, uh, military veteran, uh, will work for food or whatever, you know, whatever kind of placard they have. Don't go into your religious system. Just say, you know, this person is in need. They are announcing it with a sign. Some of us don't even see that. We've, we've been so conditioned that when we see someone that has a sign that that invalidates their need. No. This is for us to start getting our heart in line with his heart. Give a dollar. Give something. Give something to that person. Has anybody done that? I've been preaching that for what, two Three years? Oh, yes. Is anybody? We've got a few. Okay. I want to encourage you this week that I'm not just blowing smoke up here. Try it and see what happens to your heart. There's never been a time when I've given to someone. You know what they say? Thank you. God bless you. I'm giving it to them. I have no delusion of thinking that $1 bill, $2, $3, a $5 is going to change their life. But there's something that the Holy Spirit does in my heart when I give it. You're saying, oh, pastor, you're teaching us to be irresponsible with money. You're teaching us to, to promote drug addiction and, and alcohol consumption. No, 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 no. I want to promote when you see a need and you do something, check your heart. See what the Holy Spirit says. If you get a check and the Holy Spirit says, you know, don't give that person anything. Don't give him. Don't give that person anything. But if you don't get a check, go ahead and do it and then see what happens to your heart after the fact. Single sisters, always be safe. Always be safe, especially, you know, different kind of environments. Don't put yourself at risk. But know that when there's a safety, and you can, people with placards, people in casts, 
Have you seen anybody with a cast? I consider anybody that's got a cast on to be fair game. They're in play. They've got a sign on their body that says, something's wrong with me. (laughs) So learn how to engage people. Learn how to talk to people. We need to have a whole seminar on how to do small talk. Maybe Lisa can show us how to do business talk at the flower shop. You know, what do you do when somebody comes in and they want to, you know, how do you engage someone? You know, how, how do you, you get them and you find out really what they want? So you're not selling them something that they don't want, but you're giving them something that they do want. You engage someone that's got some, some form of need and you see it and you say, oh, okay, we need to do something about that. Have I lost you? You guys checked out? Okay, good, good, good. So on this beautiful rainy day in Indiana, let's realize that he causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. His mercy is for everyone. Let's remember that you don't have to get good enough in order to get his mercy. And these are acts of kindness. These are acts of mercy. And we as the local church should, should be excelling in these expressions of loving kindness. Okay? Well, the one thing that I had down was that uh, I believe that the Lord has sent angels to set captives free, to get us out of jail. And I felt... As, as, as we looked at those that were being set apart for the ministry of service, that there was, a, there was a real call from the heart of the Father of people to have a fresh infilling with his Holy Spirit. You know, it says be filled with the Holy Spirit, which is be continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's something that starts at one point in, in, in the past, but continues into the future. And so we we need to, and I felt like the Lord just says, you know, there was a commissioning service here where they laid hands, they prayed, and they commissioned. So I think this morning, what I'd like for us to do, any way you want to, I don't want anybody to leave that's not completely full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace. I want our cups to be so full that we'll bump into people, we're going to splash on them, we're going to spill. And if you feel like there's nothing in your cup today, it's time to allow him to fill it up. Okay? So why don't you just hold your hands in front of you or if you want to kneel or take any kind of posture that helps you to connect with, with, with God, take that posture and let's just spend a, a few moments here asking him to fill us. For some of us, we need to get out of jail first. It's kind of like uh, we've got a container that's got a hole in it, so we need him to come do some patchwork and then fill us. Uh, 
And as, as your hands are, are laid open before the Lord and as you ask him to just release those spiritual resources that he has for us, the incredible infilling of the Holy Spirit, a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, take your hands from receiving and when you feel the presence, I don't know, a lot of times I feel the weight in my hands, the weight of the Holy Spirit. When you feel that weight, then just put it over your heart. Take your hands and put them over your heart. And so we say, Father, release your Holy Spirit. Release your Holy Spirit upon your church today, upon each one of your sons and daughters here who are in relationship with you. You've placed a hunger in us that we want to know you more. And now we invite you to release your spirit, your your holy gift to us. Holy Spirit, we honor you today. We acknowledge we need more of you because you're the one that glorifies Jesus on the earth. You're the one that glorifies Jesus in us. You're the one that we need. Mm. So come into our hearts. Come into our hearts in ways that will cause us to live a life of worship, a relationship with you that grows and increases day by day, that matures us into service, that doesn't drain us, but sharpens us and causes us to experience more of your power, more of your love. For if we love only those who love, our, who love us, what more do we do than the Gentiles? Lord, we want to love as you love. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would temper all that was said and apply it individually to each heart. That there would be no condemnation, no shame, no guilt, but just motivation and inspiration to love and to follow and to serve. And so let this be a week of kingdom activity in our businesses, in our homes, in our marketplaces, in our recreation. Let this be a week of kingdom invasion. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to consider something. I don't think I've ever encouraged you this way. But I want you to start thinking who the Lord wants you to introduce our local church to. Introduce the Lord Jesus to them and then introduce the local church. If you know people who aren't in church and they have a heart for God, they, they for some reason are just misfiring right now, invite them. Let's, let's start realizing the way that we're going to grow is by what you do. Don't say, well, I sure wish our church was bigger. And as soon as the bald-headed pastor does something, maybe it'll get bigger, you know? No. Say, Lord, what is it that I can do that will bring increase you know, the Father wants his house full. 
He wants his house full. We're not doing this because we want to count noses. We're doing this because we want to include those that have not found a home. Okay? So the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. If you have a specific need, feel free to come to the front. If anybody sees anybody with a cast on, I got a word of knowledge. No, I'm teasing. Pray. If your heart's heavy and you need prayer, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. If you're in some form of bondage, captivity, you're in jail and you need to get out. Sometimes that, uh, that can be where you're working, your employment. God forbid that it's your marriage. <laughs> God doesn't want you out of your marriage, but he does want to get some breakthroughs in marriage. Uh, whatever it is, feel free to come to the front. We'll be happy to pray for you. Outside of that, enjoy this Brickyard Sunday. And uh, God bless. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.